Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jose Escalante. He is CEO of Futura Farms. We're going to talk about what's going on in Peru uh, in the South American market. Uh, We don't, uh, I think, actually cover enough of the international market on this program. Uh, You know, it's a huge, uh, a huge world out there, and many countries, many, um, many regions are legalizing cannabis in various ways. And I'm curious to kind of hear what's going on in South America and really just kind of be more aware of really what that global market looks like. I think. um, you know, we're seeing a, a lot of developments, both in terms of regions developing policies and developing markets, but also kind of a global market starting to develop. I know a lot of countries are working on import-export laws and, and helping make sure that we're really creating a worldwide market for cannabis. So with that, Jose, welcome to the program. Hi, Bruce. Thank you for inviting me to be here with you today. I'm super glad that, that I'm, I have the opportunity to tell you and everyone a, a little bit about what we're doing here in Peru and what we have yeah. for Latin America. I'm excited to have you. Like I said, I'm I'm curious to kind of hear what's going on more, kind of a um, 
uh, on a global level, we, we tend to get fairly kind of U.S. focused here just because so much is happening in the U.S. But before we kind of jump into what you're doing today, give us a little bit of the backstory. How how did you get into cannabis? What was your professional background? Give us the story. Sure. Uh, I've been in business my whole professional life. My previous experience before getting into cannabis was in a, in a fintech company I, I founded with a couple of friends. We were trying to create a platform, a platform for micro loans for micro uh, uh, micro entrepreneurs here in Peru. Uh, we failed miserably. Uh, <laughs> it was a good experience, though. We, we had a lot of fun and we learned a lot, but we failed, and, and that's good because that that gives you experience for the next one. And, and just yeah. when I was coming out of the fintech industry, a friend of mine, a, a very dear friend of mine. Uh, invited me to join a cannabis company that he was trying to build. He was coming out of a big Canadian cannabis company. He worked for, for, for a couple of years and he asked me to join him. He didn't want to leave the industry, but he didn't know anything about business. So we founded Fedora Farms and that was two years ago. And here we are and we're super glad. I'm super glad I did it. It's a very interesting, very beautiful industry that that it's not only profitable, but can also gives you the chance to create an impact for for the people you 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 work for right yeah i'm curious just coming out of you know a previous a previous entrepreneurial effort <laughs> that wasn't as successful as maybe you hoped what <laughs> what were some of the learnings i mean I, I you know i work with a lot of folks who have come out of it, other industries have had kind of other um kind of professional experience and, and coming to cannabis can be a little different. What what did you find you successfully kind of translated in cannabis? What didn't translate so well? Give us some insights. Uh, just like the cannabis industry, the financial industry or the fintech industry is super regulated. Yeah. And and that's one of the key learnings I or, or the key experiences I, I cherish the most because being in an in over-regulated industry is it's not for everyone and, and you need to have the experience you need to to deal with with the regulators especially in regions like like ours where regulators uh, have the best interest of the industry in mind but maybe they don't know exactly what they're doing because it's been so stigmatized for the past yeah. century and and the education on cannabis is so uh, so little that uh they mostly don't know what they're doing, and and don't get me wrong. At first, I didn't know what I was doing, and I, I didn't know that much. But it's 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 good to to have good relationship with the uh, with the regulators in order to grow and learn together and build the industry in the best possible way. And that's one of the key learnings that I got from the financial industry. I I saw the regulator as the evil adversary. I need to take down. I uh, needed uh -huh. to take down, and and that was wasn't the, the the best approach. So now I try to keep uh, the regulators close, uh, happy uh, with working with me, and, and, and that's maybe one of the most important learnings. Then uh, then you 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 learn a, a lot about uh, planning a startup, which is very very differently very different different from working in a, uh, in the corporate world. World I was in finance in the corporate world working for multinationals and, and consumer goods company. Yep. And it's super different when you plan something out from zero where you don't have any idea of what the demand would be in the first place. And you kind of learn that as you go. And we didn't have a, a, a planning process in fintech as we, as we do have in, in cannabis. We have surrounded ourselves with, with partners and a team that, that help us 
grow and help us understand the industry better, mm-hmm. not only from the strictly cannabis uh, standpoint, but from the pharmaceutical standpoint and the medical standpoint, given that the industry is strictly medical here in Peru. Yeah. And what, um, tell us a little bit about the history of, the, of cannabis in Peru. I mean, but I, I'm, I'm not sure when, you know, what, what the kind of legal side of it has been and what the kind of more traditional, you know, the illegal side of, of cannabis is, is it been part of Peru culture for a long time? Who give us a little bit of a snapshot of cannabis in Peru. Yes. Just as I believe that in any country in the world, the, the illegal side of the business has been present for, for a long time. Yeah illegal or informal, I don't see... What happened in Peru is that the movement for cannabis was started as a social movement of a lot of, uh, or a group of mothers with kids with epilepsy. Interesting. That, uh, yeah, that they grew cannabis illegally or informally, and I don't consider them a crim- a criminals. So they, yeah. they, they are mothers yeah. that, wanted, that wanted to take care of their kids, and that's perfectly natural. So that happened, I, I'm not 100% sure on the dates, but around... 2016 and the movement uh, took a lot of strength and the regulations the law was passed in november 2017 if i'm not wrong after that the regulation took a couple years it was passed by the ministry of health by february february 2019 the ministry of health and and other regulators relevant regulators but the ministry of health is is like the main the main protagonist there and Sales started formally of around December 2019 uh, through government-controlled uh, pharmacies, and uh, around October 2020 through private pharmacies around around the country. So it's pretty new. Got it. And um, what is the regulatory structure? Are these vertically integrated licenses? Are these separated licenses? How have they sort of structured the industry, the legal side of the industry? Yeah, you basically have three kinds of licenses. You have the research license, which can be used for agronomic or health reasons. Okay. You have the production licenses that could be a laboratory with grow or without grow. You can't grow cannabis without being a pharmaceutical laboratory here in Peru, okay. which is a complication. Yeah, Actually, there's only one player in the Peruvian market with a production license. Wow. Uh, and then you have the import and commercialization licenses, which allows you to sell product in the market legally through pharmacies. Got it. So as a consumer, how, how do I go about getting cannabis as a consumer or as a patient? You need to go through a medical consultation uh, okay. from a certified physician. Uh, physicians in Peru don't need a special certification to prescribe cannabis. Any MD certified by the Colegio Medico del Peru is okay. is allowed to prescribe cannabis. Once a patient has a, has a prescription, they have to register in the Ministry of Health data, database. That seems overcomplicated. It isn't actually. You have to fill your name and a couple more data, a couple more information into the mm-hmm. into their database. It's super quick. It's done in one minute. And then you have to go to a licensed pharmacy for them to dispense a product. So there are not a lot of licensed pharmacies as of now in Peru, but they are growing each month. And what does it take to become a licensed pharmacy? You need to go to the Ministry of Interior. I don't know how, how it translates to, the, to okay. the American reality, but it's the, yeah. the ministry that governs police. Okay. They have this uh, special authority 
for drug issues yeah. that they, yeah. they you have to present them a, a security protocol and they have to approve it. They then audit your facility. And then once you get that protocol approved, you go to the Ministry of Health and they issue the licenses. And that happens not only for pharmacies, that happens for other pharmaceutical establishments. We are uh, considered a drogeria or a drugstore, mm-hmm. uh, which for the Peruvian reality is basically a distributor of pharmaceutical products. And we have passed through the same thing. We, we presented our security protocol. Then we went to the, the Ministry of Health to get our license approved. And then it takes about a month. It's not that long. But, but it, it has to be done. And the process, is, it, it sounds a little bit more scary than it actually is. <laughs> what were some of the learnings through that process for you? I mean, I always find it interesting when, you know, there's, there's the kind of the, the written process or the conceived of process about how this market's going to be regulated and, and managed. Uh, and then there's the reality of things. I mean, how, how well has the government been able to kind of put these systems in place, put the right people in place, making sure that you know, you can actually do business effectively in, in this market. I mean, the, I think there are a lot of moving pieces that as the industry is super new, mm-hmm. everything's not clear 100%. Uh, yeah. To get, getting the licenses is not that hard. It's actually, it's actually simple. If you had all the paperwork in line, they, they shouldn't deny any, 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 any licenses. The issues come when you try to import products where supposedly... CBD is not a controlled substance okay. and you shouldn't have a license to import CBD, but they, they require, I mean, the, the, the authorities ask us as a license anyway, we have the license we try to import, but in addition, they, they ask for, for every import to get a special certification with, it's called Certificado de No Objeción or certificate of, of non-objection that basically says okay. that you're not importing a controlled substance such as THC and that everything is good for, for customs to to let you import the product. And, and, and yeah. that sounds complicated, and it is, because the authority takes 30 business days to Oof. give you that yeah. that certificate. It's a long time, and I, and I have had product in, in customs for weeks I'm sure. And costing me a lot of money. And it's, you have to learn the process. But as, uh, I mean, the regulators don't know, sometimes they don't know what they're doing and they learn it. So it, as the industry evolves, the regulators also evolve and, and, and things tend to get a little bit more easier as, as time passes. Yeah. And it's a, it's a pain, but I think it's very similar for any new industry, especially for an industry related to a substance that's been stigmatized for almost a century. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. I'm curious, how has the private sector or the commercial sector been working with the government sector in terms of working these things out? I mean, I, I, I find that a lot of this is... I get that the government always doesn't know what they're doing <laughs> and sometimes, you know, need, need some advice or guidance from the commercial sector to kind of help them figure out how the best way to, you know, keep things safe and regulated, but also keep things efficient and moving. How has that been playing out? Has the government been, you know, collaborating with industry? How are you working with you and your other business leaders to help kind of guide the process? Yeah, that the government like? has been very open to, to talk to us. And I, and I value that a lot because when I say they don't know what they're doing, I don't mean it in a, in a negative way. They, yeah. They're not supposed to know what they're doing because this is super new. 
And it's super new for everyone, for, for government officials and for entrepreneurs and for everyone in the industry. So the good part is that the government in Peru has been open to talk to, to people in the industry, to entrepreneurs in the industry, to, to make our lives easier. And, 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 and that's, been, that's been good. That's been great. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how Futura Farms is sort of fitting into the business. What, how did you choose part of the market you're going to operate in? How did you get it set up? Give us a little more insight on your business. Yeah, so we studied the industry. We were born in 2019 looking to operate in the industrial hemp side of the business, nutrition, uh, fiber, and all that. Mm-hmm. We understood, I think, at the right time that the regulation wasn't going to change. So the regulation in Peru is strictly medical. They require you to burn all the biomass once the cannabinoids are extracted, okay. which is which is crazy, but it is what it is, and you have to <laughs> you have to play by the rules. Yeah. Uh, so for now, industrial hemp is is banned. So we we figured that out around mid time last year, twenty twenty, and we pivoted into the medical into the medical side of the business. When we we started it and we we learned that there were tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars invested in in cannabis production all over the continent, Colombia, the US, Canada, Mm -hmm. Uruguay. And we believe that there's a saturation in in the production side. So we didn't think that the best way was to grow our own cannabis. So we started making two things. One, good relationship with cannabis producers. And two developing this platform that generated demand. I mean, what we believe is that uh, in the past five years or so, a lot of cannabis producers appeared. They thought that the demand was going to be there, and that didn't quite happen. There are a lot of, there, there's a lot of production that haven't been sold, and that's because there are not enough demand generators in the industry, and we want to be one of those demand gener- generators. So... We, we launched this platform called Organical, with a double N, Organical.com, okay. that uh, basically helps cannabis patients navigate through the bureaucracy of getting a tra- cannabis treatment. We connect them with certified physicians, and we connect them once they're prescribed. They're, they, they're not always prescribed, but if they're prescribed, we connect them with licensed pharmacies to get their product through the formal channels. So there are a lot of informal product in Peru that gets sold through a lot of channels and not necessarily f- through pharmacies. And it is important for us to channel the procurement or the, the purchases of cannabis products through pharmacies because then the patients will be guaranteed to have a certified product of certified quality that won't harm the, their health more than, than they think so or will harm them, yeah. themselves. I mean, if, if, you don't, if you don't acquire... A, the correct product, you you may be poisoning yourself, and we want to prevent that. Is that is that a big issue? I mean, is there a lot of you know untested malicious product in the market? A lot, mm-hmm. a lot. And why, it, why is that the case? Because the industry has been active for less than a year, right? Right now, or or, or a little bit over a year, if, if we count the the product being sold through through government pharmacies. Uh-huh. But people ha- have been acquiring products for a long time. And they don't always, the producers, the informal producers, they don't, don't always. And I'm, 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 I think that most times they don't use the appropriate soil for, for growing cannabis. 
or the appropriate extraction equipment, and, and then you risk your customers' lives or, or at least their health, their health, by providing them with product that may be contaminated with heavy metals or solvents or whatnot. Yeah. And patients don't know that because they, they're not supposed to know it. They buy the product and... Well, they shouldn't have to, yeah. Exactly. They, they should be able to trust their supplier and, and just go about the, the, their lives uh, happily. And, but that's not happening. And, and yeah. the formal companies, the formal cannabis companies in Peru are very concerned with that. And we're trying to battle that. And how, I guess, how is the government responding to this? I mean, uh, do they know the issues in the market? Or what, what are they doing to kind of help industry sort of not only follow the rules, but make sure that you've got good quality product that's, you know, effective, that's labeled properly, you know, that people have access to? Right. Like, what are some of the initiatives going on right now? It's like a gray area because most informal cannabis companies or, or most, most infor- informal cannabis products are with less than 1% THC, mostly CBD. And, and, and the threshold is in Peru is 1% THC, not 0.3 okay. like yeah. in the States. Yeah. So it's not considered a criminal offense, but a, an administrative offense. Okay. So there's not much that the police can do. So we're, we're still trying to find what can be done in order to stop them or formalize them. I mean, yeah. the, the, the best possible outcome is that most of these informal products or producers formalize them, themselves and start providing the market with, with good product. Yeah. And uh, in terms of your business now, like what, where, how, I guess, where are you in terms of getting to market, in terms of penetration, like, you know, business growth? Give us a little sense of what you've been able to achieve over the last two years. Sure. Uh, the platform we launched was launched on November 2020. We have a little bit under a year operating. We started really slow because we didn't uh, know a lot of things about the markets. We operated on assumptions yeah. we, that, that we clarified in the first three or four months of this year. And now we have been able to reach a higher customer base or, or patient base. Mm-hmm. We, have, uh, we have performed over 370 or 380 medical consultations with over uh, 83% of prescription rate. This means uh, wow. th- oh, 83% of our, of, our, of our consultations end up in a cannabis prescription, which is yeah. really good for business. Yeah, We are, though, trying to figure out the best way to scale this in a, in a good commercial way and in, a, in an ethical way, because we don't want to prescribe cannabis to someone that actually don't actually need it. And we're in that process, learning the market. Uh, as we are, we, we, we have direct contact with the patients. We, we have the opportunity to get a lot of data from them and help them build the environment of, the, of our ecosystem so that they don't have to leave us. We are a one-stop shop for them. We have a lot of, uh, of anxiety and insomniac patients. Uh, basically, the, the, the gross part of uh, the, the larger part of our patient base are uh, have anxiety and insomnia and yeah. so we, we want to provide them with tools besides cannabis that can help them with uh, with their sleep with their anxiety with calm and and we, we want to be that partner for them that they, they have everything with us right so yeah. they, they can get their prescriptions they can get their product they can get other features or other or other add-ons in our environment that help them with their, their lives and make make their their lives easier.
Yeah. I'm curious, what were some of the assumptions that you made earlier in the process that you've been able to either learn more about or, or that, that had to change once you got into, once you started getting some feedback from the market? The key one is price. So most uh, medical centers specialized in cannabis charge a, a price and, and they, were, they were good with that, with that price because they had, a, they had a clientele that was already accustomed to what it was. We entered with, with a similar price, a little bit lower. But we, we, want to, we wanted to make this, I mean, our mission is to democratize access to medical cannabis. So this means uh, we want to make the most, we want to reach the most amount of people we can and mm-hmm. get them their, their treatments because there are a lot of people that, that don't know that they need uh, CBD or THC. And getting new people or a larger customer base, it was hard with, with, with that price. So we, we found a way to to lower the, the, the first barrier, no? That was getting the first consultation. They didn't want to invest a lot of money. We have a consultation that goes at under $10 per consultation, and the first one's free. So we, we're basically inviting a lot of people to try us and see if this is a good fit for them. Yeah. And that's one of the key learnings. That's great. So assuming that things continue to go well, what are some of the things you hope to achieve with the business over the next few years? Uh, sure. I mean, we're trying to expand into Brazil and Mexico in the next couple of years, and we are looking at other markets also. But being Brazil and Mexico, the largest markets in Latin America, are, are, uh, we are looking to establish ourselves there. That's on the growth and expansion side. We are looking to develop a more robust system or environment. We now have only the, the, the telehealth, the consultations, and then we connect the, the, the patients with pharmacies. But we want to have, like I said, a one-stop shop. So next year, we're, we're going to work on having every, or, or letting our patients have everything in our, in our platform, right? So getting yeah. the consultation, ordering their products, and, and other features that we're, we, we will launch. I, I can't announce them right now, but we, <laughs> we, we are working on them, and, and, and they, will be, they will be super nice for, for our patients. We are I'm also excited. working on apps. For, to, to get them, it will be easier for them instead of uh, hopping in a, in, a, in a website, they, they can have an app and, and get yeah. connected with their, with their treatments. Easier. Yeah, makes sense. And um, uh, you're doing a fundraise? How, tell me about um, that and how that process is going. Yes, we're, we're, we're doing a fi- fundraise. We started last month in August, uh, focusing on, on trying to raise some cash in Peru. We are already finalizing our the part of our fundraise that we wanted to, to raise in Peru, and we're, we're going to start uh, looking for some, for some American investors or, and VCs and, 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 and angels to, to invest in us and, and be part of our family. Excellent. Um, and if people want to find out more about you, about the work that you're doing, about Futura, about the fundraise, what's the best way to get that information? They can, they can write, uh, write me an email directly to jose at futurafarms.pe. I, I can I can send you, you my email address in, in written so 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 there are not confusions. Yeah, no, I'll make sure it's in the show notes so people can Great. get that. And uh, highly encourage people to contact Jose. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on internationally, um, and I think it's uh, it's really important for anyone involved in cannabis to really kind of understand what's going on and and participate uh, on on really the global level. Jose, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me, and I hope this is not the last time we speak. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. 
See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.